prayer tree, uh, prayer cards are back there uh, by the seat, by the door. If there's something uh, you need prayer for, go ahead and write as much or as little as you'd like uh, on the prayer card plus prayer tree. And then uh, I will post those to our prayer group later on. And uh, you can be assured that whatever the situation is, you will have a group of devoted people praying about it all the way through. Uh, if you're new to us and here in the house, um, by, uh, by the front doors and by the Next center, that's what we called it. Uh, there's uh, visitor cards. Just let us know you're here. Let us know you're with us. Uh, give us an email address so we can add you to our email. Make sure you're getting updated. Uh, if you've never done that out there online, I would encourage you to go to c2ak.com/slash hello and uh, fill out the online electronic form. Um, two things, real quick, before we get going. One, two, three.
good morning. All right, okay. As I came up early, ah, kids, children of not all ages, but certain specific ages. Kids World is available down the hall. At the end, go, enjoy yourselves, have a good time. I'm sure Diana has entries. I have great things in store for you this morning. And thank you, Diana and Teresa and Joe and Holly and Terry and Jada, who have all stepped up in the last few weeks to get our Kids World program back on track uh, every other week. Yes, yes, it is a worthy effort. Um, this will be our last week um, for the summer because regardless, we always take the summer off because we take the summer off. Uh, but uh, as it is now, we have three teams. We're going every other Sunday, and that means uh, each team needs to teach about once every third Sunday that we have it, something like that. It's math-related, so... Uh, but let me just throw out, if you wanted to volunteer, if, if we had one more team, then you, you new to the program, would teach like once every four sessions. That means like once every two months. And then for each team of two, we add that that period between teaching sessions lengthens. And so it doesn't it become an onerous task. It becomes something that you're on the schedule once every three months or four months, and uh, that's how we have an active vital children's program, which we need. It's, it's part of the DNA of Christ Community Church, so I would encourage you, and you, whoever you may be, think about that, consider it. You've got a couple months to think about it before I start ranting about it again. Uh, along those same lines, uh, I just want to throw out, I just want to thank Christ Community Church, uh, and I know Tracy is feeling this. It is so good to be part of a church where we have uh, not only a, a virtual plethora of skills and abilities, but people willing to share those. Because, you know, there are churches where, you know, the pastor can't up and go out of town on a Sunday. That's just not going to work. And let alone the pastor who also does the music. I mean, and is that, is that, are we, did, Okay, all right. Whew, I thought I was going to have to teach with a hand mic. That would not go well. Um, but it's good that, that, you know, we have people with gifts and abilities who will step up and, you know, basically I'm saying, thank God I didn't have to do music this morning. Because yeah, none of us need that. So thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jim, for leading that up. Uh, okay, thank everybody for everything. Moving on. The church. We are going to be in the book of Acts for like the next 398 weeks, something like that. At least through Christmas. We are starting a series now here at the end of May that will take us through Christmas through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is so critical because this thing that we here are doing now, that we come to every Sunday, it, it doesn't look the same. It's, it's changed a lot, but it its birth, its foundation, its seed in the book of Acts. And many of the things that they did, we no longer do, and many of the things we do, they didn't do, but, but that's where it started. And so it's good to look back and see, you know, what, what was it? I mean, this was, this was Jesus' plan. This was the Father's plan, the church. 
was going to extend his kingdom across the length and breadth of the globe, the church. And, and something we need to be painfully aware of is when I say church, that means you. That means me. Whenever you say, this is what the church is, this is what the church does, that is you, Christ follower. And so it's good that we go back to the beginning and, and try to understand what is it Christ is calling us to do. So we're going to start right here in chapter 1, book of Acts. And it, um, it's this thing where Tracy uh, led us through kind of an introduction. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 20, the Great Commission. And um, basically, that was in, in Matthew's recording of the gospel. These were Jesus' last words. And Luke, who then, remember Luke, wrote the gospel. Luke was not one of the disciples. Luke's a doctor. Luke came along after the fact and said, you know what? I'm doing some investigative journalism here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find out the story, the details on this Jesus guy and the church. And so he comes in after the fact, and he starts kind of investigating what really happened. And he felt, in the recording of the Acts, that these last words of Jesus were so important, they needed to be mentioned again. They needed to be the beginning, the very start of the story of the church. So, beginning in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, so when they disciples, the apostles, the remaining believers at the end of Jesus' resurrection life, you know, that post-resurrection, pre-ascension time, all those folks came and they, they want to hear what Jesus has to say. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So, once again, kind of the folks following Jesus are always like a minimum of three steps behind. And, and it's, it's not that it, it feels like they're always asking dumb questions. Uh, you know, people will say, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Aren't there, though? I mean, come on. We can all agree there's dumb questions. But, but these folks, they, they they weren't asking dumb questions. They were just, once again, demonstrating that their understanding of what Jesus was doing was just not... I mean, Jesus is like eight-dimension eight chess, and they're playing like checkers. So once again, they're thinking, okay, all right, he is the king. He came, and that was cool, and then he died. That wasn't cool. And then he came back to life. That was really cool, and like, okay... He's resurrected. He's like, he's God. Okay. We get it. We, we were a little short on understanding, but now, now we get it. And so they're like, so you're the resurrected king. As the resurrected king, you're going to reestablish the kingdom of God, which in their minds equates with the nation of Israel. So they're like, Jesus is, is when is the father going to, you know, when is he going to return the kingdom to Israel? And, you know, like they're checking their watches. They, you know, they're checking their day planner. They want to make sure they got Thursday off for it. And once again, Jesus goes, okay, you guys are 
so on the wrong page. You're asking the wrong questions because you're thinking the wrong things. What, what God wants to do as far as the kingdom, as far as Israel, as far as these big picture things, that's, that's, that's a me problem, not a we problem. So don't you worry your pretty little head about that. I mean, it doesn't say it quite like that, but that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, don't worry about the big picture. Don't worry about the kingdom and, and God and Israel and all this. That's not your department. And then Jesus says, and this is kind of a return to what Tracy led us through last week. But you, 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 my followers, Jesus is talking to at the moment. You, my church, you, you now as you sit here this morning, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And see, I get the sense there's a certain amount of apprehension that just took place. Just people just get a little uncomfortable. Because I I said the W word. Witness. <laughs> you will be my witness. And and we all get, you know, we get the flat sweat. You know, we, we start freaking out a little bit because it's like, eh, he's going to tell me I have to go out and I have to start Bible thumping and I have to tell everybody about Jesus and, and, and I can't do that and I never know what the fuck I'm going to Whoa, I ain't even get there yet. Let's just relax. Let, let, me, let me step you through a little bit. Jesus said, you know what, you're concerned about my kingdom. And keep in mind now, we haven't seen it, but, but we're going to get there before the end of the morning. These are literally Jesus' famous last words. And these are not words he spoke in a dying path. These are words that, that Jesus said. Okay, spoiler. Jesus is about to fly away. Like some straight up, you know, Superman, Thor, jetting up into the sky kind of stuff here. And, and so these are the last parting words he's going to leave with his church. And so this is something he has thought about and he said, I am about to go away from these people and I need to leave with them the most important, the most critical thing I can say to them. And this most important, most critical thing Jesus shares with these believers now, he has continued to share down through the ages to us today. Because he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the outermost parts of the world. You will take the message of my gospel everywhere. If you here this morning have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe, maybe you know, you can't, this is not something you can go and, and familytree.com. You know, heritage ain't going to get you there. But you can trace your participation in this moment all the way back to these words right here. Because somebody shared with you the good news of Jesus Christ. And somebody shared with them that good news. And somebody shared with them that good news. And it traces.
traces a line. Oh, I don't know. Maybe there will come a point on you know the other side of eternity when you get to heaven and all the good heaven stuff's going on. I'm, I can't find it in the Bible, but I'm really, really hoping there's like a, a debrief kind of orientation class kind of thing where you're like, okay, 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 got it. You know, I know we're forward-looking. We're thinking about the eternity to come and how awesome it's going to be. But should I just clear up a couple of, couple of remaining issues? Bigfoot. Yes or no?
responsibility comes down to merely being available. Merely saying, Spirit, use me as you will. Because the Holy Spirit is going to do each and every other part of that process. And I'm going to show you why. Witness. First and foremost, the presence of Jesus Christ, the testimony, the evidence of Jesus Christ should be readily apparent in your life. The good news of Jesus Christ should be obvious in who you are. Galatians 5, 22-23. You might remember this. We did this a couple, couple months ago. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. When you are walking in relationship, when you are living your life in relationship to Jesus Christ, all those things I just read, love, joy, peace, self-control, are all going to be obvious and apparent in your life. They are going to be apparent in your life in a way that cannot be manufactured. I mean, all of us, in a moment, if we need to, can, out of our own will, produce one or more of these things for a moment. But you cannot live manifesting these things on your own. You just can't do it. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit will, these fruit, will this fruit be obvious in your life. And when it's obvious in your life, people around you will notice. They will notice there is something distinctly different about you and who you are and the life you live and the way you live that separates you from the rest of the world. And when the point comes when you want to verbally share the good news, the evidence for what you're saying will already be obvious. Because they will look at you and go, you know what, I don't get it, but I have seen you. I've spent time with you. Our lives have interacted enough that I recognize there is something distinctly different about you. And I don't get the Jesus thing, but I can see it working in your life. And they can see it working in your life because the Holy Spirit is working first. If you are living life in relationship to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is producing the evidence of the good news of Jesus Christ. And for some of us, that evidence and, and just a little acknowledgement that that comes from Jesus Christ may be all we have to do. That the process of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ into somebody's life, of leading somebody into God's kingdom, it's a team project. Some of us are, are going to give that, that first initial little, just the initial little acknowledgement of Jesus. Some of us, in the course of living this out, are going to nurture that seed that was planted. We're going to provide sun, we're going to provide rain. We're going to grow that seed in the heart. And somebody, somebody is, is going to be that name 
on that spiritual family tree that came right before theirs. Somebody's going to have to be the one that, that brings in the harvest. And it might be you. You might be the one that actually leads them to that point of decision in conjunction with the Holy Spirit and calls them to God. But it's not you by yourself. It's the work of so many people led by the Holy Spirit that came before. Not just you. And it would be good. It's good. It's always good. We should live this way. We should live in this fruit simply because that's just a better life. If you go back and look at Galatians, and it's like chapter uh, verses 19 and uh, 19 through 21, it lists out like the, the other stuff, like you've got the fruit of the Spirit here and the opposite here. You don't want this kind of life. This is ugly. So just for your own benefit, live the life of the Spirit. But there will come a point when, when words need to be spoken. And that's where we start getting freaked out again. Because, you know, it's good news. If, if you know Jesus Christ, if He is the Lord and Savior of your life, it was a good day when that message came to you. It's the best thing that ever happened to you. There are so many less good things that could happen to you that you would have no problem sharing. You win the lottery, somebody can know about it. I mean, your team of sports ball wins the top title of whatever that version of sports ball is. Everybody knows about it. You went out and bought the t-shirt, and you're wearing the hat, and you can't shut up about it. And, like, you know, you're sharing it with everybody, and I hate to tell you, like, there might be, like, an eighth of a percent of people that care. There's, like, another, like, 9.2% of people that were on the other side of the equation, and their team lost. So they really don't want to hear it. And then there's the other 90% of the population that just doesn't care at all. But you're willing to share because it's good news. God, from before the foundation of the world, and His Son and the Holy Spirit did this amazing redemptive act where the Son offered Himself up on the cross to save you from eternal torment and punishment and lead you into a life of God's kingdom. And all of a sudden, you got nothing to say about nothing. Does that not seem weird? If, if that's the best news ever in your life, why would you not want to share it? I mean, one of the things is, in order to share the good news, you should start by understanding why you believe it is good news. You should start by making sure it is good news to you. Because if you think about sharing it and you yourself don't understand it as good news, that's a whole separate issue that we should address. But that's not what we're doing this morning. So, sharing the good news. There will come a point when God says, all right, sports ball metaphor, you're up. You're at the plate. Here's your chance. This is what I called you to. And remember what I said. All you have to do is be available because the Holy Spirit is going to do the rest. And I make my case here. 
Number one, giving verbal witness. When it comes time to share spoken words about the good news, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. I don't know what to say. Good, the Holy Spirit does and he'll tell you. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities and your best friend and your co-worker and your mom, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Not you. You're just being available. And you're not a puppet. You are working in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. And you will have thought about, why is this good news? Why do I believe the gospel is good news in my life? And it will already be in your mind. And then the Holy Spirit will step in and just kind of like, you know, punch some things up on the screen. And you're like, oh, okay, I know. Here's why it's good news. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them something, but I didn't put the whole verse down, but it was about having the words to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. All right, so you have to speak the good news to somebody. The Holy Spirit will give you the words, but he doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit will give you the opportunity. There will come a moment when the Holy Spirit will say, hey, 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 it's go time! And you're like, okay, I'm on. Acts, chapter 8, verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. This is the point where the Egyptian, Ethiopian eunuch is riding along this chariot. And he's going through the Hebrew scriptures. And he's trying to understand. And he can't make sense of it because, admittedly, the, the, the thoughts of God are, are to be tough. And so he's doing his thing, riding along in the car, and Philip's over here, kind of walking along, going nowhere in particular, and God's like, go, 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 go talk to that guy. Philip had no intention. Philip did not get up that morning going, Oh Lord, I cry out to thee, and verily I say unto you, I would very much like to share your good word with the Ethiopian eunuch riding along in the chariot. <laughs> Philip was off doing his own thing. I don't know, Philip was walking to cars. Philip said, you know what, I want a root beer and a moon pie, I'm going down to cars to get one, and he's walking along, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, go talk to that guy, and he's like, I'm on it. The Holy Spirit provides the opportunity. Acts chapter 10, Holy Spirit sent Philip to the guy. Acts chapter 10, verse 19, while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. In this instance, the Holy Spirit sent the guys to Peter. When it comes to sharing the good news, the pressure is not on you. All you have to do is be available. All you have to do is go, God, I'm here. Just put me in, coach. I, I'm not great. I sort of stink at this, but I'm available. And when you do, he will give you the words. And when you do, he will set up the appointment for it. Sometimes you can be intentional. Sometimes there may be somebody in your life that you have such a burden for. You're like, I need to share the gospel 
of Jesus with this person in my life because they need the good news in this life now. And they need the good news in the life to come. And you pray about them. And you have a burden for them. And you come to the point where you're like, all right, Father, prepare me for this. Make me ready. Provide the opportunity. And you go in and you say, okay, I'm going to invite them to lunch. And we're going to do this. But there will be other instances where by, just by virtue of being available, God says, go. And you say, all right, I'm on it. He gives you the words. He gives you the opportunity. But Lord, I am a man slow of tongue. That was Moses. That was Moses trying to get off the hook. I don't talk so good. There are places where just I don't talk so good is talking good. You don't have to talk good. The Spirit will help you talk good. And the Spirit will help you to speak grammatically correct. At the same time, Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, or chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. This is Paul. Paul who is trained in the synagogues. Paul who is, is up until probably Billy Graham, the greatest single living evangelist in all of recorded human history. This is Paul who at this point is in prison. So he's been doing this for a while. And even in this moment, Paul is going, pray that God will help me to speak with clarity. And as he did for Paul, so he will do for you. He will give you clarity. This is why Jesus said, don't immediately go out and do this. Go and wait until the Spirit comes on you, and then you will receive the power you need to do all these things. See, witness, witnessing, sharing the good news of Christ shouldn't be onerous. It shouldn't be a burden. It shouldn't be frightening. It should be something we are excited to be able to do. It should be an acknowledgement that in this moment, God is using me to share the good news that might prevent a human being from spending eternity in hell. That this person before me, God is calling me to share the good news with, might, in a matter of moments, become a brother or sister that I will exist and live with forevermore. Why would you not want that? Why would you shirk away? Yeah, it might feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it might not be something you've done before. Yeah, you might get a little nervous. But it's not all about you. It's about the Holy Spirit, and it's about this person, and you are, you're just facilitating the introduction. You're saying, friend of mine here, meet friend of mine here. Hope you guys like each other. It literally is nothing more than that. And how hard is that, really? To introduce one friend to another friend. And then finally, so, you've already had the, the, the evidence provided. 
virtue of the life you live, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the evidence for the goodness of Jesus Christ is there. He has given you the words. He has given you the opportunity. He has given you the clarity. The Holy Spirit will also then provide you the boldness to speak them. You may think about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and, and it, it seems terrifying. And if it was all on you, it would be. But it's not on you. It's not about you. And in the moment, if you have made yourself available to the Spirit, He will make you bold. And it will be awkward. You will not say everything 100% right. It's not like you go on autopilot and your mind checks out and the Holy Spirit jumps in and He's working the levers running the show. It is still you in this process. And, and you might be a little unclear. You might use the wrong word. You might think this is not going anywhere. This is not how I want to say it. God can work through everything except the refusal. But finally, he will provide the boldness. Ephesians 6, 19-20. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly. To proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Again, this is Paul. Again, he's in jail. But, but hear the word, I am an ambassador. You are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. The moment we accepted Jesus Christ, the moment we And when he had 
said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Spoiler, probably angels. <laughs> and not like the weird-looking Ezekiel Revelation angels, but like the more look, normal-looking human angels in white robes. Because, you know, it was the desert, and I gotta imagine nothing was ever like white-white. It was like off-white. But these guys are like blazing white. And all of a sudden, they're just, Jesus is gone, and they're there. These guys come from. I don't know. And the two guys in white robes said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And it seems like something that was just for the people who are there, but there's something in here for us too. See, a lot of us spend a lot of time, and we are very faithful, we come to church every Sunday morning, and we come to meet with Jesus, and we come looking for Jesus. But the angels say, what are you looking for? You, you already have everything you need. You have your marching orders. You're about to receive the Holy Spirit to make it all possible. Stop looking for Jesus. The Spirit is with you. He is all you need. Go do what God told you to do. And that's the same message for us here, now, today, every day. Go do what God told you to do. And remember, it is not you who does it, but the Holy Spirit in you that accomplishes all things. We're going to finish up with a video, and then uh, I will come back, and uh, I will dismiss us. And uh, thank you. One morning I walked into the church, but it wasn't on a Sunday. I looked around and I saw the empty seats.
should have previewed the video. You, we, we are the church. And we need to be about the business of the church. Would you stand with me as we read our, our closing benediction? Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. In all things, may he give you peace. We love you very much. We're so glad you're here this morning and hope you have a great week and look forward to seeing you again next week. Be blessed. Take care.